Hey everyone, Josh here. Quick question for you. Do you like coffee? Even more important question, do you like fresh coffee? Coffee that's roasted to order and doesn't taste like the bottom of your kitchen oven. If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you need to head over to McQuanoCoffee.com and get yourself some of the best coffee there is to get. Whether you like the light roast or the dark roast or you're feeling a little whimsical and you want to get that sample pack, McQuano Coffee Roasters has everything you need. And just when you thought this couldn't get any sweeter, make sure to use the promo code REFORMATORY to get 20% off all bagged coffee. Do yourself a favor and stop drinking bad coffee because you know what? Life's too short for that. Head on over to McQuanoCoffee.com and use the promo code REFORMATORY to get 20% off all bagged coffee. You will not regret it. Thanks, and now on to the show. What's wrong with you people? How do y'all feel this morning? Why do you always make me define what you meant? What? That's how I feel. I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. Hello and welcome to The Reformatory, the podcast where we engage in all things pertaining to life, theology, culture, Catholicism, (laughs) through a biblical worldview, without taking ourselves or others very seriously at all. I am one of your hosts, Josh Loftus. I am said other host, Jack Berry. What's up, said other host? Hey, hey. How many bags of popcorners have you gone through today? Only two right now. Only two. But man, You're I'll, thinking I'll of crush crushing some. a third. I'll crush a third if I have to. <laughs> if you have to, if I must. Yeah. If the situation should present I'll itself. I'll crush a third if I have to. Bro, seriously, man. Why are these so good? I don't I know. I feel like I'm getting like, they lace these with, it's got to be crack. <laughs> They sprinkle crack There's on it. There's some drugs in there somehow. Mm-hmm. I know there is. Yeah. Whatever whatever is on Pringles is on this. And I'm pretty sure that little powdery stuff that's at the bottom of the Pringles can, I don't think it's Pringles. Mm. I think it's crack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm like... Uh, uh, Jack's like, well, I'm either going to get surprised it? or <laughs> what? What's, no. What's no. going there? <laughs> it's... <laughs> That is the punchline. Oh, yeah, well. that is the punchline. Jack, <laughs> Jack, how you doing, my man? I'm doing well. Yep. Just good. crushing popcorners and seriously. Yeah. Yeah, it's really really good. They're ve- they're very very good. Uh dude, we had like we had a heavy ep last week. Yeah. Just thinking about it. Yeah. Heavy ep. Mhm. Yeah. We should make this one more fun. Can we? How, how can we have <laughs> can fun we with talking about <laughs> spiritual abuse? Yeah, <laughs> that sounds it's, uh, horrible. <laughs> yeah, just take us my, just take us our, yeah, just yeah, take us out of the gutter somehow. Well, Jesus. you've been listening to the reformatory. No, you know, you, you know what is fun. You know what reformed people love to do, and that's fun, is make fun of the Pope. <laughs> that's we true. love making fun oh, of the Pope, man. dude. Yep. Luther loved making fun of the Pope. He drew little comics of the Pope. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Luther is Luther, man. Luther I mean. gonna Luther. <laughs> Luther is gonna Luther. He's kind of in a league. He's he's in a league of his own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luther's just kind of kind of he was. But I did see a lot of memes pop up 
Some some of those uh, Leonardo DiCaprio memes. Where oh he's yes, like, uh, where he's mm-hmm. like sipping on that wine. And so, dude, like I don't understand. So something happened a little while back that, for some reason, surprised people, <laughs> and I don't know why. But apparently, the Pope. Which Pope are we on? Francis. John Claude Van Damme. John Claude Van Damme. Pope, Damme. Pope, Pope, is it France? <laughs> But he's up there doing the splits while like yeah, talking, oh talking to gosh. his parishioners. In order to be a cardinal, you got to do the splits like Van Damme. Uh, Pope Pope Francis, that's yes. who we're on right now. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Francine, old Francine, <laughs> old Francini came out uh, pro pro gay marriage, pro homo homosexuality. Was it pro gay marriage or was it pro civil union? So I heard gay marriage. Oh, uh, I heard. I, I heard. I, mean, I suppose the, I should have fact checked yeah, this before we started talking. Uh, <laughs> there you go, Josh. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> we 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 don't. We don't. Who, who's got time to fact check on here? We don't. I mean, check. I read articles. Let's just be honest. Oh, oh about okay. This. There's your poly sci- There's your poly <laughs> degree come out. I read articles. That's what I do. I'm Jack. I read articles, and I'm smarter than everybody on the I internet. I thought. I think he said. I think he said. I think he was going towards. I think he's on that line already, and I think that doesn't surprise he's like anybody. One step off, but yeah, but basically he's on that line already. But then uh, I think he just said civil. I mean, it's so hard because he says so many different things at okay, different okay, times. Okay. Yes, I, I have the article right here. Pope okay. Francis' position on same-sex union. Okay, he comes out in support of it. Same-sex civil union. Okay. So how is that different than, like, you can live together? Like, he's cool with you living together. You just can't get married. (laughs) Yeah. Is that that what, he's like a fundamentalist that's, like, slipping? (laughs) I don't know if he's, I I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't understand that per se. I mean, (laughs) I think you could take it from the realm of, um, I mean, where I would come from this I'm not going to say that I'm going to be pro anything uh, as far as I'm not going to be pro like homosexual marriage or pro civil union or anything like that. I will say in a certain society that we live in that, yes, this is not the Gestapo. Like nobody's doing that. Sure, 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 sure. I think there's a certain, uh, certain standard of kind of pluralism that you can say, okay, whatever. But that's outside the church. Yeah, yes, it is. It is. Yeah, uh, politically, constitutionally, uh, they should be allowed. Yeah, but biblically, it's wrong. It's yeah, sin. like and 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 people have a, such a hard time. Okay, we're getting into politics. You, you, I didn't do anything. You're not going to do this. I didn't this. do no, anything. My at point all. for bringing this whole <laughs> thing up is the outrage that was sparked by Christians who are all like. Like, oh, I can't believe, I can't believe he would do this. How would he do this? I'm like, it's the Pope. Where have you been for the last 500 <laughs> years? Why do you expect the Pope to be orthodox on anything? <laughs> what? That's my question. I'm like, I, I don't understand. Why the outrage? Why are we surprised? Yeah, I mean, gosh, what was it? I think a meme said something along like, How's that papal infallibility going for you, <laughs> or something like that, or just like I love it? Oh love man, it. Yeah, I'm sorry. Right. Us reform folk are gonna take those shots, people. We are gonna take those shots a hundred percent of the time. Okay. Oh, good old Peter, the first pope up there rolling in his grave. <laughs> oh my god. 
<laughs> oh, dude, dude, dude. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, you guys shouldn't be surprised when the Pope does stuff crazy because the Pope, crazy. Jean-Claude Van Damme, Pope man. <laughs> he crazy. I'm trying to remember because he changes his name, right? What was his name before he was Francis? It was Brazilian or something along those lines. It's like Paduchi. Paduki? Paduki? Completely different. Completely different. <laughs> I think that's an Odell. Like, you know what? It's an Odell be Beckham Pope, Jr. You're going to be Pope. If you're going to be Pope, you got to change that name. It's not going <laughs> to yeah. work. What, what do we want? Francis? Okay, yeah, Francis. <laughs> it's like you pick like the most country-sounding name in the world. Anyway, um, yeah, guys, you shouldn't be surprised, honestly. Is there music playing there in right here? There is music playing. Is yeah. this is this normal? I don't know if that's normal. Okay, I, so there's music in the background of where we're recording right now. I'm gonna yes. I'm gonna decide not to be creeped out because we're in a big empty church. Yeah, don't don't be creeped out. I think there's somebody probably just slowly playing or they're waiting to do like slowly music. playing. Okay, uh, all right, music uh, band practice or something along those lines. Well, so. while I am uh, while I am decidingly while I'm deciding not to be creeped out by the music that is playing from somewhere in this big empty church um jack we're going to continue our our uh series on church hurt Mm -hmm. spiritual abuse and uh last week we took a dark dive and looked into spiritual abuse through the perspective of the abuser themselves uh and this uh this go around we're going to do something a little unique i think um and take a look at spiritual abuse through the eyes and perspective of the onlooker so, so often you talk about, you know, when, when talking about this topic, we, we talk about the abuser and the individuals being abused, which I, would that be the abusee? I think just Is the that, abuse. Okay. <laughs> the abuse is fine. Yeah. I'm trying to get too technical here. Um, but there, there is a third category. Yeah. There are those that are kind of in the middle that aren't the, the recipients of the abuse, aren't mm. the abusers themselves, but are... Uh, involved in the lives of both yeah. in, in the local church, right? Yeah. Um, so we wanted to talk about kind of what that looks like as the onlooker mm-hmm. um, and kind of how we can kind of navigate those waters within the context of the local church. So why why is it important, I think, that, that we view it through the eyes of the onlooker here? Yeah, I think there's... So why we were kind of talking about even the importance of this category of person within just the certain situation is because most of the time you're going to have people caught in the crossfire. Right. You're going to have, yes, you're going to have the abuser and you're going to have the abused, but you're going to have people caught in the crossfire that know one or both of those parties and it's like, well, what do you do in that? How do I navigate that? What do I do? How, how do I conduct myself? What do I say? And so I think it's important that we have, and I mean, some of us have been caught in the crossfire as well too. So how have we gone about that? Um, yeah, what's what's some wisdom that we can take forth in case this happens that we can have it in our, in our toolbox, so to say? Right, right. So say you're in, you know, you're in your, you're in your church, you're involved in the lives of the people there and you see, you see abuse happening. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's, let's take, let's take, for example, um, take, for example, the, the situation of perhaps an overbearing uh, authoritarian uh, pastor or leader that is spiritually abusing members of the church. Yeah. Right. Um, 
and you aren't necessarily in in that specifically, uh, what's our responsibility as the onlooker? What are we? What is our responsibility as someone in the middle, someone who is both called to call out sin and confront sin, but also submit to our local elders, mm-hmm. also be a good brother or sister to our the other members of the church. What is our responsibility in that situation when we see the abuse or or what what we perceive as abuse happening? Well, I think part of it is going to be uh, being a witness to that, and I think giving a good account of what happened as well too. I think that's going to be part of it. Right. Um, if we uh, if we want justice to happen uh, within the church, I think part of it is going to be the responsibility of us to tell the truth about what happened in that particular situation. And I mean, if you look at different scriptural references, they'll say, you know, you need to have witnesses, you know, in this arena. And so I right. think it's important that uh, we might be called to be a witness and how are we going to conduct ourselves as a witness? Are we going to not take sides and say, hey, this is what happened and this is what I'm sticking to? Or are we going to take sides because we've known that person for a longer period of time or right. other things that may sway um, us from withholding or holding back truth? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think, I think that is a good place to start is we want to remember how we are called to view every situation that we find ourselves in. And that's ultimately first and foremost through the lens of scripture, Mm -hmm. right? You may have been friends with, you know, either the pastor or, you know, the, the, the church member, you might've been friends with one of them longer. You might have a stronger relationship with one of them. Um, But in cases of abuse, it is vital that we view each case and each situation through the lens of scripture and through the lens of the facts Mm -hmm. and not our opinions or our, uh, you know, our, our relationship with those individuals. Because what, what ends up happening is then we then filter everything that we hear, everything that we say, everything that we learn through the filter of, you know, well, well, that doesn't sound like them, you know, or, oh, oh, they wouldn't do that. Um, Mm -hmm. It's very possible that they didn't, but to be a good church member, to be a good Christian, to be a good brother and sister in Christ is to weigh everything through the context of the truths that we know in Scripture— and like like Jack said, to be to be a good witness for the truth, uh, because that is ultimately what is going to uh, bring the 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 reconciliation uh, and and the uh, the truth in the in, in the certain situation is is it's going to be it's going to be scripture and following the following the the scriptural mandates of how we deal with sin. It's going to be following that that ultimately brings resolution to the conflict one way or another. Yeah, I would say the onlooker has uh, a certain point of view in which we all must have towards everybody within the church. And so that point of view is that everybody's on an equal playing field uh, as far as there's no hierarchy. And so, yeah, we don't, we can't show favorites. Um, Just because it's your pastor that doesn't negate the fact that they may have abused somebody in a very 
particular and absolutely disgusting way that needs to be brought to light. Um, so I think it's absolutely important that the onlooker has, um, has, has kind of like this mindset of, uh, yes, we are all sinners, um, and we're on an equal playing field. And just because this person is within pastoral leadership or an elder, that doesn't give them a get out of the jail free card per se. And so they, the onlooker has a particular way of looking at things in which they do need to have, uh, just a really balanced view of, Hey, the pastor is just as capable of sin as anybody else within the church. So, yeah, right. Right. I think when we have that mentality and we, 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 Make make that decision to view everyone kind of through through that level playing field. Um, it gives us the ability to not be to not to not show favoritism uh, and not not to not be preferential when it comes to our relationships at church. Now, obviously, you're going to have individuals in church that you're closer to than others. That's not a bad thing. But when it comes to serious matters like spiritual abuse, uh, it, it's important that we. We view everyone through the same, and that is we want the truth, mm-hmm. and the truth is going to come through following the biblical principles laid out in Scripture. That's, that, that's how it's going to happen. You, um, viewing people through our, our perceptions or our, through our relationships are going to just—it's just going to um, honey the water. Yeah. Um, the only relationship that I think we should be concerned about at that point is that this individual, both these individuals, are brothers and sisters in Christ. And we want, above all, we want there to be reconciliation and we want there to be unity yeah. in our church, right? And I think a huge part and a huge um, role and responsibility of the onlooker is to be that voice for unity and that voice for reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Uh to be the encouragement to like, look, let's find the sin. If there is sin, let's root it out. And if possible, if it is, if it is a sin that's able to be, you know, forgiven and reconciled and moved on, great. That's, that's what we need to be striving toward so that we can continue to be investing in each other's lives. And that through that process, the relationship that we have can grow and actually flourish and actually, actually, actually become stronger. Um, but we also need those individuals to be the voice for the downtrodden when no one else will be and to step in if the sin is egregious enough to where a separation needs to happen mm-hmm. right so like let's say let's say heaven forbid the 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 sin is egregious enough to where the the abuser needs to be removed mm-hmm. um regardless of your relationship with that individual we must care for the purity of the church, the unity of the church, above everything else. And we need to advocate for that. We need to advocate for the abused and advocate against the abuser. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that can be really, really difficult. Yeah. Um, especially when the abuser's your friend. Yeah. Uh, and the abuser's your pastor, someone that you have made a covenant. A, a covenant vow mm-hmm. to submit to, 
Yeah. Right. And to be in a covenant relationship with this person in the context of the local church, that is really, really difficult. Yeah. <laughs> when you have to get to the point to be like, bro, I, you're wrong. Yeah. I'm sorry. You are wrong. Well, yeah, it's going against. Um, it's tough too in that sense because you're doing something that should never be done ever is a pastor basically being disciplined. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Right? Um, that's the, I think that's the, the ultimate thing. I don't think how, I don't think we dwell on the fact that it's, it should be unusual for us to have that happen. It should be unusual for pastors to be disciplined and taken out of ministry. Um, Sorry, you're saying it should be unusual? To a certain degree. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. It, it, should, it should never, it shouldn't get to the point to where the pastor has to be removed. Yeah. Right. Like that is, that is just, it's just a testament to, and at that point, I think it's just a, it's just an indication of the, the depth of sin that this pastor has fallen into. Like if it's to the point where you're removed from ministry yeah. because of your sin, mm-hmm. uh, that, that's a, that's a huge problem. Yeah. Plus, I mean, I think this all I think this just goes back to the fact that um you know this kind of reminds us that we live in a fallen world and that unfortunately this is stuff like this is going to happen. Right. But then on top of it too, it just reminds us how much more yearning I think we want to be reunited with Christ. Seriously. Cuz we don't want to deal with this. Um but yeah, I think that that's uh, that's definitely a yearning, and that's definitely um, just the fact that, like, yeah, this shouldn't happen, um, but unfortunately it does, and I think people just get uh, swept up a lot of the time. I would say most of the time the the abuser is going to get swept up into pride, and yeah. then on top of it, uh, the alluringness of the fact that they have power, and then the, the abused, obviously, is gets hurt and sinned against. And then the onlooker is in a particular place where it's like, do I say something or do Uh, I just shut up? (laughs) So, which I think, I think honestly in most, unless, unless it is being handled like it should be. And I think that's, 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 uh, you know, the, the elders of the church are dealing with it following the steps of Matthew 18, right? If, if that isn't being done, uh, I do believe it is the onlooker's responsibility to say something and to go to their elders and say, hey, this is happening. I don't know if you're aware that this is happening, but but it is. And this needs to be dealt with. Right. And I'm coming to you as a as a church member, as someone who loves you and loves the person that's being hurt. Um, it it. It something needs to be said. Yeah. And I think we need that that. We need to be comfortable, and again, it's kind of again, it's man. It just it goes back to having that that specific culture in your church where you are authentic with each other, mm. and you have a relationship with each other where you feel comfortable going to those individuals that are in leadership and saying, "Hey, like you know, this there's something wrong here. There's yeah. a red flag here, right?" Um, sometimes that is the responsibility of the onlooker when they see something happening out of the love and care for the people in their church. And again, not with the intention of, 
of getting somebody in trouble. Don't be a gossip. Don't be a busybody, right? We're not just calling out every little thing and say, well, did you see what so-and-so did? Did you see what so-and-so did, right? We're talking like we see the abuse happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it is good for us to go to our elders and say, hey, uh, there's a situation here that I believe requires your attention. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, if your elders are doing things that they sh- should be doing and are acting the way that they should be acting, uh, they're either going to thank you for that or or they're going to be like, you know, yeah, w- we see it. We're working on it. And at that point, uh, you leave it in the hands of your elders. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you don't you don't continue to be a, to be a busybody in yeah. that um, because ultimately it is the elders responsibility to deal with the spiritual matters of the church. And if they are dealing with it, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We pray that it is. We pray for them. We pray for those that are hurt and we pray that the, the situation is handled swiftly reconciliation and forgiveness happen swiftly and we're able to move on uh, with unity swiftly. Right. Yeah. Um, which I think kind of leads us to the, to the final, final point in that once the abuse happens and the abuser is, is uh, dealt with either, put out of the church, reconciliation has happened, um, or those who were abused had to leave the church, you know, whatever, whatever the situation is, we now have the relationship between the onlooker and the abused. Um, and I think that, I think that's a very special and important relationship because us as the onlooker, like we, we are still the body of Christ mm-hmm. and we're still called to minister to the lives of those that are that are around us in the church, uh, and sometimes I think I, I think I think that ends up looking looking different in certain situations, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just the the outcomes that can come from um, the fact that no reconciliation happens, or reconciliation does happen, or there's repentance that has been seen uh, by the abuser. Um, there can be so many different outcomes. And I mean, you can have a great outcome in which the abuser does uh, repent and um, or the fact that your elders may have to take swift action in yeah. removing them as a pastor or an elder. And so there's always that could, that, that could happen as well too. Um, so... I think your disposition as as an onlooker, as a witness, is still going to be somebody who's going to have to keep people in accountability and maybe be kind of like this reminder to people as well, too. It's like, hey, remember when that happened? Yeah, let's not do that again. Right. (laughs) Or, um, you know, that I mean, that's something that I think our church has learned over the years as well, too. It's like we have enough case studies where it'd be like, yeah, we screwed up this way. This is how we need to do it better. Sure. This is how we have to do it better. Um, I think as long as the onlooker, if you are a member within your church, this doesn't mean that you can just sit around. I think this is why this is important is because if you're a covenant member within your local church body, you're actively participating in this process where you're going to be probably called upon as a witness or as somebody who says, Hey, 
let's not remember these certain things. Right. And let's keep going towards uh, Christ and his kingdom and not regressing back into, um, I don't know, other than darkness, <laughs> lack of a better word, I guess. Yeah. Spiritual yeah. darkness. So, yeah, no, I think we're, we're called to, you know, for, for those who are, as the onlooker, we're called to confront and speak truth into the life of the abuser and to hold scripture high. We're called to do uh, the same thing for those that are uh, the recipients of the abuse. That's to be a comfort to them, to be a source of encouragement, uh, and to be Christ to that individual. Uh, and that looks, that looks differently in different situations. Uh, it's acknowledging the abuse happened. Uh, it's acknowledging that it was sin. It's not making an excuse uh, for the abuse. It's not downplaying the abuse. It's not making the abuse more than it was. It's just it's 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 taking a realistic approach to what happened, a biblical approach to what happened, and <clears throat> sometimes that means speaking truth into the life of that individual when we need to speak truth, and sometimes that means just being a willing listener that sits with them in the pain, and is comfortable with the silence, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think that's something that we as a church, especially especially in Reformed culture, mm-hmm. we don't do well with those that are grieving, with yeah. being comfortable with the silence. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I just, <laughs> just preached a sermon on a... Um, when Jesus raised Lazarus and the response that we see Jesus have to grief, right? We, when he, when he sees the grief that Mary and Martha have, he doesn't just go preach a sermon, right? He doesn't just say, Oh, you know, God's sovereign. You shouldn't be thinking this way. It's, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't go preach at them. Yeah. He cries with them. Yeah. Like he enters in, he, he does. He enters into their life where they are at. And he is comfortable with the tears and he's comfortable with the silence. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that is so important for us as Christians to understand when we are dealing with those who have been hurt, especially by the church. Mm-hmm. Like we were talking about a couple, a, couple eps, um, a couple eps ago, the very thing that was used to abuse these individuals was the gospel, mm. was the word of God. Yeah, And if we're just going to shove the shove scripture down their throat all the time all the time and again this is not me saying don't use scripture i'm not saying that i believe scripture is sufficient we need scripture i i know that but sometimes preaching a sermon at the individual is not what they need yeah like there are many times well i don't know say many there have been there have been multiple times in my life where the doctrine of god's sovereignty in all things was not a comfort yeah and I realize I probably just triggered half of our reformed audience by saying that. <laughs> Do I believe God is sovereign? Absolutely. I would go crazy if I didn't believe that. Yeah. But that doctrine isn't a comfort yeah. all the time. Do you know what is a comfort? Is knowing that I have a savior that went through the exact same things that I'm feeling, right? Yeah, we got to pick our spots as far as when to unload certain truths and when to say certain things. And yeah. um that's always something that's going to develop over time. But man, my ultimate response when people are hurting probably shouldn't be to, a go-to on 
sinners in the hands of an angry God. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Serious. Oh dude. Probably nothing like that. Um, no, you no. gotta, you gotta, I mean, there's, there's gotta be a little bit more read on your audience and compassion uh, there seriously. versus just trying to, trying to wreck people in the wake of reformed theology, I guess. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but I would definitely say I, I usually err on the side of, um, care and patience and mm-hmm. wisdom when it comes to certain things. Uh, I've been in certain situations where I've had to be with a family and I'm just like, Hmm, I wonder if I should say this. And usually it's like, yeah, I better wait on that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's times yeah. in which I can say certain things and places where I can say certain things about who God is and uh, what he does and uh, what especially he does for us as his people uh, through the person work of Jesus Christ. But Don't be Job's friends. Yeah. Don't be Job's <laughs> friends. Don't be the ones telling him everything he already knew. Yeah. Right? Right? Yeah. Like, yes, I already know these. I, we did, I already please, know this stuff. Yeah, don't give them... Don't don't feed out no cliches. Yeah, yeah, don't. Please no cliches. No cliches. No cliches, right? Yeah. yeah. So the, the 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 role of the onlooker is important um because more than often the onlooker is us. How do we react when it comes to viewing or 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 seeing church abuse uh or any type of abuse happen within the context of our local church, right? So if you find yourself in that, uh, hold scripture high. Let that be the lens that you look at everything through. Mm-hmm. Don't rely on what you think you know about the individual. I mean, obviously, we hope all things. Love hopes all things. It endures all things. We hope the best, and we want to believe the best, but ultimately, we want to seek the truth, uh, and that's done through following the scriptural principles that we have, right? Hearing both sides, weighing both sides, witnesses, uh, taking it to your elders. And then when it's all said and done, and and even through it, you're a voice of gospel-centered comfort to those that are hurting. Show them Christ, uh, show them his humility, his grace, his silence, and yes, his truth when uh, the situation specifically calls for it. you know what this situation is specifically calling for right now, Jack? More popcorners. No, no, no. No. We wasted those, son. I'm talking, I'm talking club sandwich. Oh, I man. want a club Here sandwich. Here we go. I want it my club oh, sandwich boy. with no tomato. I don't oh. like the tomato they put on it. I'm not a tomato guy. What's up with no tomato? I'm man? just not a tomato guy, man. I really not. But like that club sandwich. Jack and I go. We're gonna go get a club sandwich, the oh, best yeah. club sandwich I've ever had in my life. Yes, it's so good. It's yes. delicious. The bread is perfectly toasted. The <laughs> cheese, like I swear, they get mayonnaise from heaven. I swear, it's <laughs> angel, like it's it's, it's it's angel mayonnaise. It ain't no Miracle Whip. No, oh, it ain't no get, Miracle Whip. Get people. out of here with Miracle Whip, dude. <laughs> miracle Whip. There's no. There ain't no miracles happening in Miracle Whip. That is at a cursed whip. It's not. Cursed. They. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. People eat it. <laughs> That's that's what the miracle is, and maybe that's why they called it that. It's like it's like Wonder Bread. Like I wonder what this is gonna taste like. Eh, not bread. <sighs> Jack, get us out of here. Well, on that note, seriously, friends, Frickin Romans, countrymen. I don't know if you'll lend me your ears, but you can find us on the different sociables, yeah. the Tweaker, yep. the Facebook, and the Instant Tweaker. Tweakers like Wonder Bread. Anyway, you can find us all on those on those uh, or sources of sociables. Sources of sociables. Man, I get tongue tied. Miracle. Uh, 
you can find us all on those sociable mm-hmm. websites, mm-hmm. web pages, if mm-hmm. you will, at Reformatory Pod. Mm-hmm. Josh, tell the lovely people how they can support us. All you Patreon. lovely, lovely people. Lovely people. Do you have money that you need to spend? Do you have issues that you need to be that, that that need to be dealt with? Do you have just money burning in your pocket that you don't know what to do with? Well, have I got the answer for you? Hi, I'm Josh. I'm not a real podcaster, but I play one on the internet. No, no. If you want to help us, if you enjoy the content that you're listening to, and uh, appreciate the encouragement and uh, the levity by which Jack and I speak. For the cost of one can of Miracle Whip a month, you too can become a Patreon supporter and help us uh, get the message of Reformed Baptist theology and the centrality of the local church to the masses. Uh, We would definitely appreciate it. And if you do that, your name will be hallowed. 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 Hallowed through the halls of this podcast. We would greatly appreciate that. We would greatly appreciate you. We thank you all, all of you, every single last one of you, except that one person that makes a sandwich out of Wonder Bread and Miracle Whip. Except you, but even you, if you become a Patreon supporter, will accept you because we have standards. We have standards here. <laughs> we thank you all for listening to this app, and we will catch you on the next step of the Reformatory. <laughs>